Hi, I'm Mario Evan, and you're listening to Talk Trot, a weekly inspired entertainment podcast discussing the things that most people are afraid to, but from a Jamaican perspective. From relationships, sex and sexuality, to the ins and outs of entrepreneurship, in this space we speak about almost anything with the intention to inspire, educate, entertain, and create a fair and balanced space where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Family, welcome to Talk Trot. This is your boy, Mario Evan, and I'm so glad to be back here on another Sunday. Today, my guest has a bunch of things under her belt. She does reflexology, Reiki, manual lymph drainage, lymphedema management, holistic awareness, and she is an aware cancer coach. All in all, she describes herself as a transformation therapist and I am so honored to interview this person who has been a friend of mine for a long time and her name is Patrice Dwyer. We are going to speak about the mind, the body and the spirit and before we kick off, how could I not say Happy New Year people, Happy New Year 2021, we're here and one of the reasons why this episode is really a cool one. I thought to start the year off with is because we need to be so aware of our minds, our bodies and our spirits as we move into a brand new year. Sometimes we set so many resolutions for this year, but I think at the end of the day, we just need to be so in tune with ourselves. So um, check out this episode. It's a lot of interesting conversation. And as usual, leave a review and comment on it if you like it and just tell us how it made you feel. Check it out. Yeah. All right, guys, welcome to Talk Trot. And you are in season three. And I am interviewing a very good friend of mine who goes by the name of Patrice Dwyer. And she does many things. And as usual, I like to ask my guests to introduce themselves. So, Patrice, welcome to Talk Trot. Hi, Mario. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's kind of weird speaking to you in this forum. I know, right? In a virtual format. Yes, yes, definitely. Not just in a virtual format, but to see you talking your truth in this kind of format here. So that's cool. I know, right? And me interviewing you at that. You know? (laughs) (laughs) So So let's um, introduce yourself to our listeners. And um, yeah, tell us, I already said, like, tell us who you are and tell us what you do. Well, you know, like I, I like to say to people that I am a woman of all trades. It's very difficult to, to you know, say who I am. But lately, I've been going by the title of transformation therapist because I think it mainly covers most of what it is that I do for work. Right. Um, who I am as a person, I would say I'm still a work in progress. Over the years, I've seen myself transform in so many different ways. And, um, yeah, I think that kind of led me to the kind of work I do too, you know what I mean? Seeing right, the various own. things that life will throw at you and how right, you deal um, with them and, right. you know. Yeah. That's kind of wonderful. That's one of the questions I want to ask you later on, but okay. I don't want to go there as yet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've known you for a couple of years too. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, we've all evolved quite a bit, but I know mm-hmm. you've gone through quite a few transformations. Definitely. How I want to kick off this podcast, I want you to set the tone by defining to me or what, in your words, is the mind, the body, and the spirit, and how are they different from each other? Hmm. Well, 
if we go with mind, because that's where you started, um, I see mind as that uh, emotional side of you, um, that side that's connecting on the feeling and emotional level with, with the people around you. Right. Um, body, well, speaks for itself to a point. Um, we're talking about the physical body and, you know, what impacts the physical body. But with my work, when I look at bodies, I, I, I kind of see the mind as a body too, a part of the body, different right. levels of the body and the spirit as well. And spirit, but, then, you but, know, but the mind is not physical, Lorraine? Uh, no, it's not physical, but it does impact the physical. Mm -hmm. You know, so it definitely um, has a great impact on what we day-to-day -day walk around with as our physical bodies. Right. You know, um, in terms of spirit or soul or, you know, people have various ways of, of putting it. I see that as that spiritual body, that body that connects to um, our creator, you know. Right. Or some people will say God or however, whichever name you choose. Whatever you identify. However you identify, with. it's mm -hmm. that part of you that um, connects with the greater whole then. Right. Mm-hmm. Would it be fair to say that the mind is similar to the brain in terms of making decisions or, or those two things are kind of different? You know, it's something I've thought about a lot. I think they're different. There, There's yeah. definitely a connection there, but there's, there's a difference. I mean, you know, our brain functions in a very practical way. Scientific way. Scientific <laughs> way. And mm -hmm. our mind doesn't always do that. So you'll have a right. struggle where... There's one part of you that's saying, and people say left brain, right brain, whatever. But right. there's one part of you that's basically saying, um, you should you should drive that way because the traffic is less usually when you travel that route. And then mm -hmm. when you're on the way there, there's something that says, now you need to turn back. Right. And that's and the mind speaking. And that's the mind speaking. And who do you listen to? Right. You know, there, there's right. that. For me, I know I listen to that other part, that mind. So that you have leaned to back. connecting to, to being led by mind more than even brain sometimes. Definitely because it has never led me astray. Right. So, so when people say that they have a gut feeling, mm -hmm. you feel like their gut is kind of like their mind? Well, kind of. What we call intuition, that little, yeah, gut feeling, for sure. Right. I feel it's, it's part of that greater mind. <laughs> <laughs> will you, will see, you can tell I'm no go ahead the thing is you know Mario when you it's hard for me to, to actually separate mind body and spirit because they all interconnect so much because when you think about it um right. okay and go ahead go ahead you go ahead I was going to say no I think that's what my medical mind was trying to do and mm. I think it was trying to to separate them but that pretty much leads us to why we're having this conversation they're all kind of interconnected eh They have to be I mean think about it when you when you're driving along the road and you get that thing that gut thing you know yeah. part of it is is a connection to a greater um, space where there may be something going on and you're not in awareness but that greater awareness is saying to you through mm -hmm. your mind, stop and turn back. Mm -hmm. And your body experiences that by this butter butterflies or, you know what I mean, feeling in your gut then. Right. That, you know what, that, that push to turn back is, you know what, I need to turn back. 
And then the beauty is that sometimes awareness will happen way later. That's correct. Uh, And then you realize that this is what you avoided. That is correct. I, I, I mean, I have had so many experiences of, of that, um, that it's, it's amazing. And this is why I have to honor what my mind is telling me at all times. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to take you back to your earlier days in life when you were Mm -hmm. going to school, going to Mm -hmm. high school, Mm -hmm. going to university or college, Mm -hmm. and what you thought you wanted to do then. (laughs) Which one? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I kind of want to paint a picture of how your journey has transformed from an educational perspective. So Mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about the earlier days and what you thought you wanted to do, where you wanted to be. Well, you know, when I was very little, I felt a connection to teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's partly because my mother was a teacher, an educator, and mm-hmm. I grew up with educators around me, aunts and so forth. Um, but then there was also a part of me, it's funny because my mother kept a book for me, uh, an early years book, if you will, that had like from kindergarten all the way up to, to the end of high school with mm-hmm. pictures for every year places for your, you know, report cards, that kind of thing. But at the back of each year, you would write like what you wanted to be. Right. And the other day I was going through that. And um, when I was very young, I wanted to be a nurse as well, apparently. (laughs) And then... But that's funny that you did annual, annual check-ins with with what you wanted to be. It it was interesting eh? from from that early age till, till now. But interesting um, that she had that insight to even allow you to, to want you to do that too. To do that, that thing. is true. Mm-hmm. That is true, you know. And then I saw it switch to lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I got to high school, I found myself leaning towards business, accountant, okay. um, you know, that kind of somewhere in there, management, business. Right. And so that's kind of where I ended up taking it. I went to university first in Florida. Um, Barry University, shout out to my Barry, Barry alone. Right, right. Um, and for me, I wanted to, I, I decided to enroll, you know, in international business. Right. Uh, I felt that's where I wanted to be. And I loved it. I was passionate about it. And oh, it was great. <laughs> and then. I feel like Barry, Barry was a nice time in your life. Not all of it, to be honest. It was it was kind of a mixed time in my life. There was a lot that happened during that period. I mean, you'd need ten podcasts to go through. I all know, that. right? To cover that as a whole. To cover that, episode. but um, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of awakening. I would say that took place in me, um, even with regards to uh, spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my understanding of me as an as a individual first no not it wasn't my first time being away from home um i didn't mention that out of high school i left high school here i graduated and i actually didn't do sixth form here like a lot of people do mm-hmm. i did 12th grade in minnesota at a private catholic school right um, i didn't remember that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the hill murray school in in minnesota minneapolis not minneapolis but yeah maplewood minnesota but um, so I, it was very interesting for me just meeting different people. Um, I think I was a bit of an introvert, at least I thought I was. Right. Um, and I was never the type of person to go out to meet friends and make friends. 
people kind of just gravitated to me. They came up to me to talk and then kind of just hit it off, you know. Um, and there were a lot of people who also thought that I was this, you know, this standoffish person. They would say to me, um, you know, they saw me and they, they would want to say something, but for some reason it's like my face didn't look inviting. <laughs> so I find that interesting. And then they'd come over and say, hey, I didn't know you were this kind of person. You know what I mean? But I was going through a lot of different changes. And I don't think that people, I didn't feel any way that people understood what I was experiencing on a certain level. You know, so that was, it was an interesting time for me. And then near the end of my, my time at Barry, um, for, for some personal reasons, I had to come back home to Jamaica. Okay, so you said that they thought you were a bit standoffish and stuff, but that, that means you still had some good friends despite the people who felt that way, right? Who were these people? <laughs> well, you know, funny, you know, Mario, for most of my life, and even to some point, no. There are some people who look at me from afar and, you know, my face is very expressive, which you probably know. Yes. Um, so <laughs> they'll see things and, or they just make assumptions. They look at me and they assume that, you know, this is this kind of person, you know what I mean? Right, right. And um, then they'll say to me, but, you know, for some reason, they still felt like, you know, they should come up and say something. Right. And then they come up and say something and they're like, you know, I'm not, you're nothing like I thought you were. And I was like, yeah, what did you think I was? You know what I mean? Well, and then they tell you, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, I, and so that's an eye-opener for me too because it speaks to how much we we tend to judge. We know? judge, right, and assume. And assume, yeah. which is And how people happen. generate perceptions too. That's correct. Mm -hmm. That's correct. So, you know, I've, I've learned also with my work, you know, I've had people come in to me, and, and I will probably get more into that later down, but, mm -hmm. you know, they sit in front of you, and if you're not careful, you'll be like, yeah, you know, you judge them. And then when they open their mouths, you know, it's like, okay. You discover something you new. You discover something new, or you discover that that kind of um, standoffish or whatever you, you thought was there was just fear or, you know. I feel that way that in medicine every thing. day. Yeah. Kind of feel like patients are like a box of chocolate. I just never know what I'm going to get. That's correct. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because and that's how life it. is. Yeah, that's life. You see it on the outside and you wonder, well, you know, I guess you use the things that you know to come to some kind of decision as to what it may be. Mm -hmm. And then it might just be something else. That's correct. And it's usually Some, very interesting. <laughs> it's true because sometimes people will come to me and it's after the third appointment or something that they kind of loosen up. Right, right, you know, right. You know, I start to pick up certain things that I'm probably a bit intuitive too, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Um, over the years, I realized that about myself too. So I was able to... deal with people, yeah, you'll, mm -hmm. you'll be able to read them. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Well, I, th I feel the first thing you said was that you thought you had a element in you that wanted to teach and then wanted mm -hmm. to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you're in the health profession now because That's I have correct. this thing where they say, you know, go back to your childhood to try and find your passion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I want to tell you, remember the first thing I said was teaching. Right, right, right. Um, teaching I, have a, I have a good, a good friend who says that I'm a closet teacher. <laughs> not not, not anymore. No. Big <laughs> well, no, because but it's funny when she said it to me because 
you know, when I'm at work in particular, and I mean, just up to yesterday, somebody came in and, and we we're having a conversation, you know, about what I was about to be doing with them. Mm -hmm. And you find yourself teaching, you know, you're talking to them about the body and you, you know, and I laugh, I look at myself and I just laugh and think, look at this, you know, because I'm not happy if they leave and they don't Understand. have a clear understanding. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So overall, I find myself teaching in various forms now as well. Well, all right, Car carry me through. So for, mm -hmm. for specific reasons, you had to leave Barry, you left Barry, yeah. you came back home. What yep. kind of things were happening in your life before you got into this world? You mean in terms of the world of health? Of, of health. Well, I know I met you in an interesting situation when we, we worked together <laughs> yes, in the Ministry of did. Local Government. You sure did. <laughs> before we you went to med school. <laughs> clerical work, yeah, before I went to med yes. school. <laughs> we were planning events. We were calling people. Mm -hmm. we and were that's interesting too. The names of dignitaries on on envelopes uh, and getting, on envelopes and getting and them wrong <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah that, oh that that's that too because it's it's funny how all these things um the skills you get from the various things you find yourself doing um and all the lessons you learn from all that how that impacts now because when we were event planning on all these things we didn't know that there are aspects of that that would carry forward into you know what Not we're doing for future I, that I was summer work I'd, no i didn't know i was gonna become a musician and have to be paying my own musicians uh-huh there you go and there, you know there's certain things that everything comes full circle eh? sure does um you know but certainly for me i didn't mention this but i've always been an avid reader right. and when i was about 16 i think it was my mother and i had gone to to Florida for a for summer for the summer, and um, I went as usual first place bookstore. So I went into a Barnes and Noble, walking through, and a book just jumped out at me mm -hmm. on the shelf. And the book was entitled "Body Reflexology" by Mildred Carter. And I was like, "Hmm, what's that?" I just picked it up, you know, started mm -hmm. leafing through it, and decided I was going to buy it, and. That book, I didn't know what <laughs> what impact that book was going to have on my life, but it, it made it helped me to make a lot of changes in my life. So from then, I read about various things. I used to try things on myself or you know, <laughs> on mommy. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, this is cool. But I had no idea that in Jamaica, people were actually um, doing stuff like this at the time. Right. So and people were, right? And people would have been at that time, yes, because... Mm -hmm. You know, know that, you know, I've been formally trained as a reflexologist, which we'll probably talk about too. Mm -hmm. um, I now know that 30, 30 odd years ago, almost 40 years ago, people were doing reflexology in Jamaica. Yeah. What do you think it was about the book that intrigued you? I don't know. He, we, like, we I, love, I, like, I love biology. I don't know why. I just always liked to see the drawings of the body and stuff. So I mm -hmm. always liked anatomy and stuff like What do you think mm -hmm. in the book pulled you in? Even if it was in the book, you know, Mario is more like when I tell you, we, we spoke earlier about mind and connection. Right. And it just just jumped out at me. I had no idea what it meant. Nothing. And at the time, I wasn't standing in Barnes and Noble reading the book. Right. Which you, you know, can do. <laughs> which you can do, but I didn't. It was like, I just knew it I just want this called book. called you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's when I got home and I started reading, I even reading it on the airplane coming back home, man. And I was like, wow, this stuff is interesting. 
I, 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 I don't know. It just drew me in. Well, while we're here, we'll hop mm-hmm. all around the place. Um, mm-hmm. Let's tell our listeners, what is reflexology? Ooh, well, reflexology is, well, it's referred to as a natural healing art and science too. Mm-hmm. And the basic idea is that your feet, hands, and ears have points that reflect your entire body. Yeah. You know, so your feet, you know, they're like a little um, mirror image of your body. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because people look at you like, yeah, really, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> but when you sit in front of them and you start to go through and work and you am able to to tell, you know, we tell people we don't diagnose or anything like that. We're not doctors, yeah? But mm. there's a lot that your body will tell you by just touching somebody's feet. And people and, are blown away and amazed. By it, eh? mm-hmm. And I mean, as a medical doctor, I can tell you there's no anatomy that I learned that says that maybe the liver is connected directly to the foot. Mm-hmm. So I can see why people would be skeptical. Definitely. What direction does it go? Is it that the patient comes in and says, Patrice, my, my stomach has been hurting me for five days, and then mm-hmm. you work on the stomach part of the foot? Or mm-hmm. is it that you work on the foot and then they say, oh, and then you tell them, you know, I think something's wrong with your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I find very interesting, Marianne, I know maybe, you know, as a doctor, you may see it. People don't yeah. always tell you everything when they come in. Sometimes they don't even know. <laughs> sometimes they don't know, number one. Yeah. Um, sometimes, too, I also find maybe it's a cultural thing here in Jamaica, but they kind of test you. Right. To see how good you are. Eh? Right. So <laughs> they come in and they'll be like, because we do a general um, history of people. Mm-hmm. And so... Reflexology is is considered part of complementary or holistic um, uh, treatment. So right. and therapies. So we're not just looking at oh you have a stomachache. You understand? You have to sit and do a little history to kind of figure out who this person is. Yeah. So it will often take me a long time the first consultation with a lot of people, half hour, sometimes longer, just to figure out who are you, what makes you tick. So. People will omit mm. a lot of things from that. And as I, as I start working, I pick up on things and I'll ask questions. Have you been experiencing a head, headaches at this specific part of your head and whatever? And you're like, oh, you know that and whatever. I'm like, oh, well, your feet told me, you know, and they're blown away. So interesting. And, and for the people who I've worked on for, for, you know, long time clients of mine, if I see them more than once for the week, I can tell that they, something went off in the week. You know, they had a stressful experience or something went off or because I kind of know their bodies. Right. Um, when something shifts, I, I can say something is off. I remember so over I, time, you learn more about you each learn specific more. patient. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So you... Or, you or client, if you may. Client or whoever. I mean, there are clients, you know, in your mm-hmm. business, you know. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you're able to, to tap in and, and figure out a whole lot yeah. um, with people. So it, it goes both ways. Sometimes it's just confirmation. They would have told you something. And when you get to the area, they're like, oh, my gosh, what's that? And I'm like, well, that's what you were talking to me about. Right. <laughs> you right. know what so I mean? It can go either direction. It can go either direction, yes. Yeah. All right. We're hopping back now. So this book has mm-hmm. inspired you. You're experimenting mm-hmm. on your mother. You're experimenting on yourself. And others, Ooh. even while I was at Barry. People right. say, oh, I have a headache. And I want to give me a hand. Let me show you something. And, oh, <laughs> I have a friend from St. Lucia. Um, he used to be amazed. I, I, and he'd find me at lunchtime or break between classes at Barry. And here, get, here, Pat. <laughs> and give, mm-hmm. give him, he would give me his hands, you know, to work on it. 
Right. Um, so I found that I was doing it, instinctively doing it. Um, and I think by nature, I've always been a caregiver. Right. Uh, so it just was natural for me to be doing things like that. It's nice how you kind of, well, and it's debatable. I was going to say how you kind of stumbled upon it. But well, um, it's hard to say yeah, again. I think it's a stumble. <laughs> I mean, as we're going to, I'll tell you, it's no stumble. <laughs> it's no stumble. No. All, right, you, all right, keep leading me on. What's next on this journey in this space of holistic care? Oh, well, so I found my way back to Jamaica. Um, mm-hmm. I completed studies at the University of the West Indies as a, um, in management studies, as a matter, matter of fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, still fulfilling that business side of me. Um, I started working at Jamaican Institute of Management. Most people don't even know I worked there. I don't Um, think I knew. (laughs) I did. I certainly, I worked there as their program coordinator. I know Jamaica has a securities course that a lot of people in the financial sector do. That was one of the things that, you know, we used to handle at gym and all of that. And while I was there, I started a master's program at UWE and um, in communication studies, which was interesting. (laughs) so i started that yeah i started that program and i just wasn't happy with the way the program was being conducted right a lot of issues with it and um at the time work was also becoming very stressful and i think part of it was i just didn't feel like this is where i was supposed to be you know what i mean right so you were working and and doing the masters part-time i was working doing the masters part-time and overall just not very happy with the environment Mm -hmm. for work and I found myself getting a bit stressed and asthma, which I had developed in high school, right. uh, kind of reared its ugly head again. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, nah, this is ridiculous. So I was home one day watching television one Sunday afternoon. And there was this program that used to be on Exposure. Was it Exposure? Or exposure, it? I believe so. Yeah, mm-hmm. Emily Crooks. Yeah, Exposure. And uh, turned it up, saw her interviewing a lady on there and she was talking about um, herbal therapy and reflexology. I was like, what? So, <laughs> of course, now I tuned in. And, and this um, is years later, right? After yes, the book, man. Right? This is, mm-hmm. oh, this is years later after Barry, mm-hmm. um, after that, finding that book at 16. Um, mm-hmm. And so I listened to the program and I, and I wrote down her, her number. You know, and I was like, I need to contact this lady and let me try this thing because for years I'm fooling around. Let me try it. So I made an appointment and I went to see her. And it right. was an amazing experience for me. And she, we, we got to talking and she said to me, you know, you seem like somebody who would have an interest in something like this. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. So she said, let me give you the name of my teacher. Hmm. So I got the information and to be honest, I put it in my handbag and I didn't, I didn't even think about it because mm-hmm. I went right back into that routine at work. Um, but then things got a little bit more stressful at work and I decided I'd had enough and I was going to quit. Yeah that job as it just wasn't feeling like what I wanted to be or do or whatever. And I made that decision. I quit. Mm-hmm. And one day I was at home in transition because I was actually supposed to start another job and um, was cleaning out my handbag and the number fell on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? A paper. And I picked it up. and I was like, Oh my, this is a number that she gave me how long ago, months before. And yeah. I just, I called and I spoke with, uh, who later became my teacher, Monica Marsh, God bless her. She's way up in her 90s now. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, you know, I'm about to conduct my last class because I'm getting old and I'm going to stop doing this. 
Wow. So I was like, well, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> she said, well, I need to interview you. I was like, cool. And that's how that, that started. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I quit the was she a teacher program. of, by the way? Well, she was actually, she was a registered nurse. Mm-hmm. And she trained to become a teacher of reflexology when she lived in Canada. So she was now teaching um, for the Canadian um, school mm-hmm. here in Jamaica, yes. Interesting. Very. So, um, yeah, I enrolled. I, I, I'm not propping up myself, but I was a star student. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I because mean, you loved it. I loved it. And I think she saw something in me. I, when she fully retired, she actually, you know, gave me all her books. Yeah, And she said, you know, you're going to go on and do this and teach, which I actually did because I, she trained me to become a, a teacher for Canada as well. So I taught for them as well for a little while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was the beginning. I, I quit the master's program at UWE. Right. I enrolled in a program for massage therapy right up at the physiotherapy school up at UWE there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did that. And... um after I did that, I was actually introduced to to Reiki as well during right. the period. And I did Reiki training. It was just a, it, it was a whirlwind of things that started happening at one time. Mm-hmm. It was just amazing. All these things started coming up and I was like, oh my gosh, this course, that training, that, you know what I mean? And right. I just started going into everything. Um, mm. So that... That was going on pretty well. And then I got involved. I got involved in like the Reflexology Association of Jamaica. Uh, I was the youngest member at the time. And I, mm. I, you know, went head on and took on positions in board on the board and all this kind of thing, you know. At this point, um, how are you making most of your income? Oh, gee. <laughs> income. If, if any. <laughs> right. I mean, because you're no longer in the master's program. Are you still no, working anywhere? I was not. So... I, I realized pretty early on, oh gosh, no, I need to put this because by now everybody thought I was insane, okay? My parents mm-hmm. thought I was insane. I <laughs> yeah, what time, are you no? doing? Yeah. Yes, I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, what are you doing? What is this about? You know, at my father's words, um, you, you do all of this for go rub foot? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll never forget that. Right. Um, like, how, how are you going to make money from it? How are you going to make money? How are you going to survive? I mean, my mother and was by my daughter. Mm-hmm. It, this is it, you know? And it all kind of made a shift around the time of um, Hurricane. Was it Hurricane Ivan? It could have been then. Mm-hmm. Or something. It wasn't Hurricane. There was something that happened before. I can't remember what it was. But anyhow, the association, we were called to help. Um, going and we, we, we went around to various organizations and we were given reflex, giving reflexology treatments. Right. Um, so I remember a group of us went and gave to like the police, went to the commissioner's office, we set up up there, our chairs, everything, we were giving treatments all around. And at that point, um, we were, we got a phone call if we could go down to, I think it was, it was down in Kirkvine in Manchester to the, one of the bauxite places there. Mm-hmm. They wanted us to come and work on their staff. Staff was stressed and wanted us to come work on staff. And we went down there and from, from just that work, people started calling me. 
Right. And I used to do, at the time, I didn't even have a car. So imagine me, you know, taking a taxi, lugging around in my reflexology chair and stuff and right. arrive at people's homes. Um, when I work on them and leave, what I was charging at the time, pretty much I paid my taxi fare and taxi. I mm-hmm. off most of the oh, money. Right. But it right. started to feel good that I was actually earning something and it, it kind of gave me the push to continue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was a difficult so, time. <laughs> it was a, a listen to me. Any entrepreneur can tell you it was, it, it was a very difficult time. And I've, over the years, I've had to remake myself transform over and over and over again um to go with the times but i I don't regret any of it at all right um what would you say to people who you know how you describe the book jumping out at you Mm -hmm. the number falling out of the bag Mm -hmm. what would you say to people who kind of feel like that's hogwash like (laughs) um that is probably more in your mind than any universe and I'm asking this as devil's advocate because I like to be. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, listen, one of the things I've learned on my journey too is that we all are at different spaces, different different places on our journey. Right. And so the experiences that I have had that have led me to understand that there's a greater picture that's unfolding that we're not aware of. And all of these little things, you know, um, are part of that journey. Right. Destiny, if you will, or whatever, however you want to term it. Um, so I won't knock anybody for feeling that way because unless you've had certain experiences, it's, it's oftentimes difficult for you to, for to, you process to appreciate that. it. Yeah, and yeah. to appreciate it. But for me, um, I can definitely see um, how my life now, as I sit here and I look back at a lot of those things, I can see the puzzle pieces going together. Right. And I have to agree because. It took me a while to feel that way as well. But I guess maybe mm-hmm. maturity is part of it too. Correct. When you're able to look back on your life experiences and the things that happened and how they happened, mm-hmm. you realize that it's all connected. It definitely is. And, and the it's, things it's you, intense. Yeah. And the things you thought were horrible. Accidental. Yeah. Horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they actually played a big part in, in where you are now. Yeah, I know it's a lot of I know a lot of other concepts are coming into this conversation, even though it's about transformation. But I know mm. we're touching a little bit on mindfulness, yes, and a little bit on being present. But um, let's talk a bit about how can somebody become more connected to their mind, body, and soul, mm. and what are the kind of activities that they can do? Well, that is also very personal. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But one of the things for sure is finding time to connect with yourself. So that could mm-hmm. be, you know, in, in a lot of Jamaicans, we talk about, we, we say we're a Christian-based country, right? right? And so we talk about prayer time and stuff. But when we, when we look at, we examine what we're doing in that period for a lot of us, what are we doing in that prayer time? We may read a Bible verse or, you know what I mean? Is right. there really... Uh, a connection or we may go to church and sit there and listen to the minister preach or however you choose to do it and sometimes Um, prayer for some people is just asking for things just asking for things all the time yeah Yeah. my journey spiritually over the years is 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 an interesting one too and people ask me now you know I, i mean i was brought up for the most part catholic i had a mother who 
she wasn't Catholic, but she, my father was, and she would always say, she don't care where you go or what you do, you, you need to develop some kind of connection with God. Right. So she was never one of those people to hold you hard and fast to what her belief system was. So it kind of allowed me freedom to explore over the years. And so now when people ask me about my belief, I'll say to them, I don't know if I consider myself to be Christian, but I do. I say that my religion is love. Mm-hmm. I believe in God. I definitely see the presence of, a, of, of that creator in my life. Right. Um, and my way of connecting is one, interestingly enough, through people, mm-hmm. people I work with, people I encounter every day, even the people that annoy me. <laughs> yes. And, um, they teach you a lot of lessons. They teach actually. you a lot. And they teach you a lot about you. Sometimes they mirror you as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they mirror you, yeah. Right. And finding time to connect with myself, um, which means for me meditation. Even in exercise, I have mm-hmm. a routine now of getting up early, 4 o'clock that time of morning to exercise right. and meditate. Um, I like going into nature. It's one of the most amazing experiences to just lie down on the grass and look up and look up at the sky and ground myself, connect to the earth around me. Um, I like hugging trees. I have a tree at Hope Gardens. It's my tree. My daughter will tell you that's mommy's tree. And I'll go and I'll hug the tree and connect. Um, and if I feel like it, I'm feeling called to do it, I'll go to a church and sit down and listen. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but there are various spiritual practices over the years that I have come to, to learn about, you know, other in other relig- religions and so forth. And there are just so many ways that we can connect if we choose to connect. But I find that a lot of us are disconnected, Mario, in so many different ways. Right, because you have to even come to a place where you can appreciate what lying down and feeling the sunlight and the heat of the sun Thank on your you. face is like and enjoying it. Um, I remember I started meditating maybe sometime this year. I had mm. a little meditation practice. And one day, Patrice, I had been doing it first and it was weird because I couldn't connect with the breathing. And just never in a sense. Mm-hmm. I was very distracted. I started to get into it more and started to feel different. So mm. one day I went walking and all of a sudden... I was counting the birds <laughs> uh-huh. and it was very weird because it was kind of like I was walking, but the place kind of went really quiet. I could hear them mm-hmm. chirping, mm-hmm. but I never, ever counted them. They were perching on the wires. Mm-hmm. It was just, uh, it was a little bizarre thing because <laughs> it felt like everything just stood still, uh-huh. even though it was still moving. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, it blew my mind. And it-, it was coming out of this meditation, calm and breath that was kind of now mm-hmm. residing in me. And I was like, Wow, I never felt that before. <laughs> it's awareness, and it's something that I'm passionate about now, especially in relation to our bodies. Mm-hmm. So you see, with work, I've realized that a lot of people are very out of touch with their bodies. In truth, I mean, you and I know in high school or any other school, unless you are going into, you think you're going into the field of medicine or something, you nobody, you're not really learning that much about the human body. Right. Or unless you're like an athlete where you're always using your body. Or what have you. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of us are out of touch with our bodies. I I feel like we need to do so much more in terms of educating people about your body. Aside from telling you about puberty and things like that. 
we need to go into more about it and have people have a clear understanding of, in simple terms, how your body works. Which probably explains why I'm not so much of a hypochondriac because I think I understand how it works. So exactly. I know when to respond to it and when not to. Exactly. And then the thing is that that is also something that we're that's inbuilt, you know. Right. And I tell people who come into me, listen, you may go to a doctor and they could scan you from now till next year and all of these things. But if none of us can tell what you are feeling inside. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you are very in tune with your bodies, and I know some people who are really in tune that if the slightest thing goes out of whack, they know. They know, and, and they'll go to the doctor and they'll be like, oh, nothing, nothing is wrong. And they're like, they, they insist, listen, I know something is out of whack. And they're, they're correct mm-hmm. because it's your body. So a lot of us are out of touch. And you see, even now during this COVID pandemic period, we don't right. realize that we've been given such an opportunity to do a lot of introspection and soul searching. And so a lot of people complain about quarantine and all this stuff. Let me tell you, I've had some of my greatest breakthroughs during, especially the initial quarantine period in March. Yeah, the first one was was big for me too. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Every single day, there was some new insight that came to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And And I thought to myself, Part of the challenge that a lot of people are having right now is that we don't want to spend time with ourselves. Half of the busy stuff that we do is to, to, get, away, to get away from ourselves. Of eh? course. So imagine having to sit with yourself for two weeks or for whatever. Two weeks, much less months. Worse with other people in the household who are doing the same thing. Not mm-hmm. a good look. I'm pulling you right back to awareness of body. Mm-hmm. We're going, I want to use it for awareness of mind and awareness of spirit. So some okay. other ways to be aware of body, I'm guessing, is everything from maybe even knowing you have a fever to your body weight to feeling mm-hmm. heavy. To f- like what kind of things are you talking about when we're talking about just being aware of the body? Aware of your body. Well, first of all, aware of what the things you feel actually say to you. Right. I have this thing about learning your body language. Okay, yeah. and we're not talking about body language that would, you know, in the general um, sense. But when you're sad or when you're fearful or when you're stressed, what are the cues that your body gives you to tell you this? You know, for some of us, right. we may have a right. headache. Right. For some of us, we may feel hot in our faces or, or anxious, you know, butterflies, whatever. But every day your body is talking to you. Right. It's telling you things. But do you understand what it's telling you? And do you respond to it? And when do it's you speaking? respond? Because if, the thing is, you can't respond if you don't understand what it's telling you. Exactly. So this is where we are now when we get to this point where do you speak your body language? Well, Most but love languages with yourself. <laughs> that is it. Yeah. So people will come to me, you know, to drift, but a quick story. I had a lady who came to me. She had breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I, I, I tend to ask, um, you know, is what's happening in your life? What happened in your life leading up to this diagnosis, that type of thing? And, you know, she gave me a story about her husband who had been away for years and all this kind of thing. You know, he went to the United States. He didn't come back. Even when she got diagnosed, he didn't come back. Initially, mm-hmm. it was because he was trying to get his paperwork together. But then after he did, she was the one who would have to go and visit him. He never came home. So I asked her how she felt about that. No way. 
I said, no what, way. What, he, he's her husband, you said? Yes. Okay. Man. I said, what do you mean? No way. It didn't bother you in the least that your husband didn't even come home when you were facing one of the greatest challenges in your life? She said, I don't think so. But in mm. talking to her, I realized she was so out of touch with feelings in general. So I said to her, I want you to do something for me when you go home. It's going to seem strange, but just do it nonetheless. She said, okay, what? I said, go home, go in the bathroom, get a pillow, put it over your mouth and scream. And she's like, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, I want you to scream. I don't, why you want me to do that? I said, because I don't think that you even understand about feelings. Right. You know, she says, well, I've never, growing up as a child, my parents taught us to just, you know, you just do what you need to do. You right, know what I mean? Tough and move, and right. Yeah. So I told her, she went home and, you know, she called me that night and she said, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I said, what happened? She said, she started screaming. She did it. She felt weird, she said, but she did it. And then she found herself feeling something. And she, she realized that what she was feeling was anger. Right. I said, really? She said, and I said, who is that directed to? She said, I think I'm angry at my husband. I said, you are? <laughs> <laughs> I said, you really? No, honestly, you know, it was a big revelation for her, you know. Right. And right. she said, and she I mean, screamed. Yeah, she screamed till she cried. And, she, and she's like, I'm angry, Patrice. I said, I know you are. Yeah. But you had, she had to discover that herself. You just she had to guide had to, her. I couldn't tell her that she was angry. But her whole body was in this state of, you know, her shoulders were up. She was, you understand what I mean? Right. So many of us walk around. The majority of people who come to see me, they, they walk in and their shoulders are up to their ears and they don't even know. I say, put your shoulders down. What do you mean? Right. And I go and stand in front of them and I go like this. Oh, yeah. That's why you're walking up and down every day. You're not even in awareness of that. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Well, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to list some of the stuff that you do currently. So okay. you, you now have done a lot of training and mm -hmm. you do reflexology, Reiki, mm -hmm. manual lymph drainage, mm -hmm. lymphedema management, mm -hmm. holistic awareness, which is kind of what we're talking about today. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you are a cancer coach, an aware cancer coach. Did you come up with aware? or that's a I did. I can't put aware. I'm a cancer what does coach. Aware stand for. Mm. <laughs> aware is so many different things, Mario. Believe me. Well, I see it's an acronym, so so it's, I know it has a sentence. It it does have a sentence. Um, aware is all about ac access your mm -hmm. way forward mm -hmm. and provide access to resources. That will educate and empower you on your cancer journey. So it's assessing your way forward. Uh -huh. So we need to assess you. So we need to know where you are. After we know where you are, we help to figure a way forward. Right. And we provide access for you to resources that will educate you and empower you on your journey. Do you find that you generally work with terminally ill patients who are going to die or, or you get people who have a diagnosis and recover? Um, it's across the board. Um, part of what, mm -hmm. well, what got me into cancer care in the first place was lymphedema management. And 
I mean, most people may not be in awareness of what lymphedema is. I'll quickly mm-hmm. say, yeah, you know, in Jamaica, we say elephantitis, elephantitis. Which, is, mm-hmm. which is not the correct uh, term. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different thing. Um, but the reality is lymphedema is a result of an insufficiency in your lymphatic system. It's not mm-hmm. flowing the way it should flow. And even our lymphatic system is something that most people are not even in awareness of that we have one. Right. And the important role it plays in our immune defense and all these things. And so most of the people that I see with lymphedema, which presents as swelling, whether swelling, it can be swelling anywhere in the body as a matter of fact, but it's most commonly seen in the arms and legs. And where cancer is concerned, it's usually after breast cancer surgery that, Not that, necessarily just, you know, that these patients develop it? With where, cancer, where cancer is concerned, um, most of the people I see develop lymphedema post-treatment for cancer. Right. So if it's breast cancer, you know, oftentimes the lymph nodes are removed. Mm-hmm. Or people get radiotherapy to the chest wall area or where, or where have you. And once you remove the lymph nodes, you create an insufficiency in the system. Mm-hmm. So even if somebody doesn't present with swelling right away, we say that they're kind of in a latency stage because the insufficiency is there. And we have to put preventive measures in place or it may appear at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've seen people 20 years down the road who just develop swelling. Um, right. So it can happen that with arms and not just the arms for that, but also the chest wall can have swelling various places. For people who've had like prostate cancer and they sometimes get lymph nodes removed at the groin area or they have radiation there, they get swelling in in other places, swelling in the legs, swelling in the penis and scrotum. Scrotum, yeah. Um, Yeah, swollen. I've seen basketball-sized scrotums. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) So basically, since this system isn't draining or managing this Mm -hmm. lymph, your job as a lymphedema manager is to help to... To push it to, along and move it to along? To move it. So what we do is, it's, it's quite cool, actually. Um, mm-hmm. you, we can open up other pathways where you have a healthy, healthier flow and redirect mm-hmm. the flow from the area that's having the challenge to there. Right. So that's basically what we do. We redirect flow using manual lymph drainage. And then we also use you know, other techniques. We may have um, we use bandaging at times, mm-hmm. compression bandaging. Mm-hmm. to help reduce the swelling and so forth in the intensive phase of treatment. And then we'll use like compression garments to maintain um, the new limb size, if you will, the reduced limb size. Right. But okay. it, and, it, and it may not ever come back to normal, right? It may not. It's not a cure. We don't have a cure at this point, but it's management. And believe me, for a lot of people who walk around with those challenges, to have yeah. their limb reduced to a point where they're man- it's manageable and they can move around and it's a it's a whole new world for them so you know basically that's how i got into cancer care because i started to see a lot of people with lymphedema right post cancer treatment and then i started to realize that there was so much more to this world of cancer right um because in questioning people about their lives and whatever i discovered that mm, the emotional the mind all of those things definitely had an impact on how their bodies responded to um, treatment. It also had an right. impact on, on what developed in their bodies, I would say, as well. And some of them would tell me that as well, that they could tell you for sure that I was going through this period of stress and whatever, and I feel that like this is what contributed to this. 
only leading me right where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So basically, all right, so after seeing a lot of the patients, then mm-hmm. this kind of ties the whole mind, body, spirit thing yes. together and why you became very passionate about it. Yeah, definitely. Because, Tell me about mm-hmm. any... No, go ahead, because... No, um, no, go ahead, go ahead, you go ahead. I, I was going to say to tell me about a case. I wanted you to kind of oh. tell me about some of the patients and what, they, what they're what they like and, and how do they process. I guess, I'm guessing someone who thinks that they may die. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's so many layers to that, you know? There and are. then dealing with the treatment and the diet and the disease and everything else that comes with it. There's so much. And as you mentioned that, as you did ask me initially, which is how I got into this conversation about if I work with a lot of people who die or they they recover. Um, And yes, over the years, I've worked with a lot of people who, you know, who died. And, uh, but in my mind, died with healing. And I know that's weird for a lot of people to, to understand um, and it also got me passionate about palliative care, which is another thing that we probably may have time to touch on. Um, mm-hmm. But so, for example, there, I met a lady. She called me on the phone and um, right away, before I even had a chance to fully answer her, she said, listen, um, I have breast cancer. I've had it for five years. I, um, I'm not going to any doctor for no chemo, this and that. And, and my arms are swollen. I hear you with lymph drainage. And this is how she was on the phone. Right. <laughs> so I was like, right. okay. And then um, she said, so can you help me? So I said to her, well, okay, I'll come and see you. And we'll have a conversation about what's happening with your hands. And then I'll see where it goes from there with your, with mm-hmm. your arm. You know? When I went to see her, I realized that there was so much more to this. So we had a conversation about um, why are you not accessing care? Right. And I realized that she had a lot of fears. She had a lot of fears about the system because she had been kind of mistreated, if you will, in the healthcare system before. And so she Mm -hmm. decided that she didn't trust the system anymore. And she wanted to try something, a different approach. And she also said that God would heal her. Yeah. So we had a long talk. I went there, which was supposed to be a half hour, turned into three hours. <laughs> and we had a long talk about a lot of different things that were taking place in her life. So she had younger children who were acting as part of her care team at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't an ideal situation. But I said to her, I don't know how much I can help because truthfully, when I saw her, I realized that things were not good. She could yeah. barely take a proper breath. So I thought, well, let me go and see how we can get this woman to, you know, move past this point where she's at. So I went there saying, I'm working on your hand, but ultimately it was about, let's have a conversation and see how we're going to move past here. Mm-hmm. And so it took a lot of talking too, but I eventually got her to a place where she agreed to access care um, I connected her with a doctor. I, I physically drove her there too because she told me she didn't huh. have transport, but she was just finding another way not to go. Right. And so sometimes I find myself doing that. It's not conventional, no, but you know, I, I do these things because right. I do develop a connection with the people I work with, um, a deep connection. And I think it helps, it helps them to, you know, get to various parts of their journey too. You ever worry about getting too close to them or you feel like that's part of your responsibility 
in the um i think i think initially i was more concerned about that. initially i got probably too connected mm-hmm. i used to cry a lot when i tell you i come home every day and cry yeah <laughs> you know what i mean um but i got to a place where i realized my role in all of it and so it doesn't impact me like it impacts me but it doesn't cripple me if you see what i right, mean right 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 and so I was able to get her access to care. Um, and in fact, when the doctor I took her to, she was like, boy, just in time. She had a blood pump. was like two. But anyhow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so she, even though based on her diagnosis, it was not looking good. She lived longer than they thought she would live. And during that period, when she became fully aware um, of what was taking place with her, and she turned and she said to me, I have to thank you, Patrice, because I think I would have been dead already if you didn't come into my life. Mm-hmm. Because you were tough with me. One day she was upset with me because she said, why are you being so hard on me? Because I had to just give it to her, you know. <laughs> I said, like, yeah. you have to, you know. But she said, this is what you've been trying to tell me. I said, yeah, but it wasn't my place to tell you. I had to take it to somebody who could tell it to you the way you needed to hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, and she was able to do things in the latter part of her life to to make decisions she was putting off, to do certain things and to come to a place where she felt healing. I was with her up to two days before she made her transition. And it, I mean, I think she just called me to say bye without even saying that. You know what I mean? Right. But I could see that how her being able to make that shift positively impacted her children and everybody around her. Yeah, because her that whole energy would have changed life. as an individual. Because just everything the situation shifted. And in general, in the last period, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. correct. So, I mean, that is a case of somebody who, who made her transition. Um, but there are others I've worked with who have come from a place of not even being able to say the word cancer. Mm-hmm. Because it's just everything that they know cancer to be is just scary. And I have, I said to people, what's the greatest fear you have? Dying? Well, newsflash. <laughs> right, everybody die. dies. <laughs> and I don't know why we don't seem to remember that part. I know, um, right? We're all going to die. So my thing is all about, let's put the things that, the scary things in place, you know, like what your wishes are and that type of thing. Let's put that in place. And then... Let's focus on living now. Let's focus on what your goals are for treatment, you know, in terms of whether it's mainly quality of life or, you know, what your goals are. And let's live each moment fully. Yeah. That's what it's about. Because once you handle the, that aspect of things, it will take care of itself. Your family, they know what you want and whatever. Now you can fully focus on your healing journey mm-hmm. and emphasis on journey. Right because, right, because transformation is never it's, finite, right? No, never ends, it's right? not. It's a we, journey. And then even when, when we finish here, we still probably transform. I'm assuming we continue that, to transform. Well, that's how I feel about it. We all have our different views on that. But that's how I see it. And I tell people, it's like you're driving along the highway and then all of a sudden you hit fog and you have to slow down. Mm-hmm. Or there's a pothole. Either you see it up ahead or you didn't, and you could prepare for it, or you didn't see it and you drop, drop into it. Right. It could be or deep. Swerve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you can swerve. It could be shallow. It could be deep, it could be shallow. It may have, have you pausing in there for a moment because it's so deep. But, so this is how the journey is, and that's how the journey is on 
with cancer for a lot of people. There are smooth roads and there are bumpy roads or roads with obstacles. But it's journey, it's life. You, you could have cancer and go out there and get hit by a truck. And exactly. It won't kill you. <laughs> you understand? And it's true to every other condition that we could possibly have going on in our bodies. How, so, how would you say that this line of work has changed your, your perspective on death? I was going to say your relationship with death, but ooh, you, I, I prefer uh, perspective. You, you said perspective, but relationship is actually correct as well. Um, mm-hmm. I want to tell you as a child, I had a great fear of death. Yeah. It was so bad to the point where if I heard the RGR death music, <laughs> I would start bawling. No, I swear right. to you, <laughs> I would cry. And my father would be like, what is wrong with you? You know, that kind of thing. But as a very youngster, I was six years old. The first person, I had a friend who died. She was seven. And it was weird for me because I didn't quite understand what it was all about, this whole mm-hmm. death thing. And so over the years, I had a great fear of it. Then when I was about 16, I had another friend who, well, I think I was 14. He was 16, who tragically died. And that made me feel like something inside of me just broke mm-hmm. as well. And then when I was in Florida for school, you know, someone very close to me died at 21 years old in an accident. And that tore mm-hmm. me up for about two years. Yeah. And I, I kept saying, why am I being encountered with all this death business? You know what I mean? Yeah. It was really a, a big thing for me. So when I started doing this kind of work now, I was like, oh, no, here I am again. Working with people who might die. Working with people right. who... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then there just was a shift at some point in all of this. And in working with a lot of these people, I realized just how... At peace, most of them actually were with the fact that this is what was happening with them. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting is that they wouldn't share that with the people around them, especially family, because family don't want to know that um, you're so at family peace. Family has different living. concerns. In oh, that my time, goodness. Right? Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, that's, and, um, thing, mm-hmm. that's a whole other uh, another thing. So when I, when I started volunteering up at the Hope Institute initially, and then I was introduced to the Palliative Care Association of Jamaica and and started to understand more about palliative care and what it meant to work with people and ensure that they have quality of life for their entire life. Because one of the things is, I don't like the term dying anymore and I change it now. (laughs) For me, I said living in transition. Living in transition, yes. Yeah, because you're not dead until... You literally took that breath. And it's and funny gone. that living in transition is an acronym for lit. But anyway, <laughs> well, yes, because it's still living. But it's and lit it's in, now. Mm-hmm. It's lit. It's important, Mario, for people to understand that people are still living until they're not, and we miss that exactly. point. Exactly. We miss that point. So it's like even fa- there's a little hush hush when people come around. Lord, you know, why you know them dying and and. and and they, they treat you like that when they like come you're and see you. Yeah, right, like right, when I but walk yeah, into still the, here, you're yeah. still here. When I walk into the room, I had a a, um, a client who transitioned about two months ago in this COVID period here, and he was such a joy to be with. We, yeah. I mean, the last two weeks before he died, you know, I, I started going to see him. He wanted to see me, and I went to see him, and. You know, I'd laugh. We get in the room and I said to woo, you know, he was quite jaundiced at the time. And I was like, oh my God, look at my golden boy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we right, had- right. And 
you were even in a space where you could make a little fun about we the were always laughing and people would be mm-hmm. amazed we were talking about death yeah but he he was fully there family probably didn't understand how much there he was for the past year i worked on him he was fully there mm-hmm. right but we were and he said one of the things he liked was that he could freely talk to me about it and it wasn't weird Right, right. Cause they made it weird for him, but it was it okay. It made it for weird him. for him to say that. Yeah, it wasn't weird. So you were his safe space in cancer. That's correct. His safe space in dying. And in and, dying. I, and mm-hmm. I want to tell you, um, it's something I'm working on now, a, a little program that I'm calling Live Well. Mm-hmm. Um, Live Now, sorry. Because it's like, let's handle the things, those details about death, about transition, about our... Um, Healthcare, you know, right. who we're going to choose to speak for us if something happens to us, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And then we just live. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I lost my mother last year. Mm-hmm. Can't say I lost her, but her physical presence is no longer with us. Right. And she went through her transition period. And she told me things that she wanted for herself. You know, and it was that she never did or things that she, oh, things that she wanted in transition. Things that she wanted in transition. Right. For herself. Things that she wanted with regards to her health care for herself. And she said she felt I would execute her wishes. Right. Okay. And it wasn't easy because I had to, I was wearing both hats. The hat came off the day she took her last breath. The hat of okay, I understand this whole thing about palliative care. I understand about people's wishes. I understand all of that. But then well, it was a struggle. As well. Yeah, it's a struggle. Because mm-hmm. I'm looking at my mother. I'm seeing signs that's telling me that, oh, yeah, she's in that zone. Mm-hmm. And it's a struggle. What do I do now? I know what to do for work, but this is my mother. Right. And can I truly honor you know, what she wants me to do in this time when she decides she's not eating anymore. You know, how do I do, what do I do with that as a daughter watching my mother not eat? You how, know did what you I navi- mean? how did you navigate that? Because as you say, work would prepare you in one well, way to deal I, with this, but this is different. I had to, I had to remind myself of what I promised her that I would do. Right. Even against, I mean, and I don't think I, initially my brother understood some of it either because you know, it's a struggle. But yeah. um, then he realized that this was truly what she wanted. And we have to understand that it's not about us, but it's about them. Yeah. But ultimately, we make it about us because that's just by nature who we are. By we don't want to lose. Right. Yeah, you don't want to lose. We don't want to lose the joy we get from the loved one. Right? No, we don't. And so when they make a decision, we see them as being selfish sometimes too, without even thinking it. How could you right. think of not trying anymore? Right, right. You know, why you want to leave me? You really want to leave me behind? You know, why don't I mean, you want to stay here forever? Why don't you want to stay? <laughs> yeah. And she actually said that to me. She says, I, I can't stay till the end of the world. I don't yeah. want to. You know what I mean? So. But even this conversation is, is um, highlighting the fact that we have to really wrap our heads around the fact that there is an end. <laughs> there is an end. And, an it, end. It, it, and, and the best we can do is make the end nice, as best we, as nice as we can well, in this in this if, phase. If there is anything as a good death, I'd say my mother had that. Right. And it's not a topic that people generally talk about, but when I tell you it was an amazing experience, and if you've never sat with somebody who 
had a peaceful transition and you don't understand what it's like. And you don't realize that deep connection when you could, I mean, you just said my mother left. She didn't die. She left. It was just amazing and it's hard to express it. So, and and she's not the only person I've sat with through that experience. And when you talk to family and you let them, because sometimes family panic in the end and they're like, should we put them in the hospital or should we, and you have a conversation, you're like, but this is what they wanted. And just as how I'd like to say to people, when somebody is pregnant about to give birth, we make a lot of preparation. We have room made, we have crib, we have clothes, we right, have baby shower. And everything. Yeah, everything is lined up, right? Mm-hmm. But the one thing that we forget is that the baby may never get here. Yeah. Alive. Yeah. Okay, but we have all that prepared for this baby and the baby comes and everybody's at the hospital waiting to greet and all of this. So when we're leaving this this plane that we came to live on, when we're leaving, don't you think it would be good for us to have that too? Yeah. The same way we were welcomed in. It's awesome and it's such a blessing and a gift when we have an opportunity to be with our loved ones as they make their transition. Because when they when we lose them suddenly, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, but when, you know, I was going to say, yeah. I don't feel bad that we ended up here because I feel like all of it still kind of come, come, come connects to mind, body, connected and soul. to mind, body, and soul. I, I know for people... And transformation, more, actually. Yeah, it is transformation. More than anything, Transformation. There's a lot of transformation that can take place in that last period of people's lives, not just for them, but for family. I'm trying to find a nice final question for you, but mm-hmm. my my, I wanted to ask you if you feel like there's some people who don't transform or you feel like transformation is inevitable. We have to transform. Life doesn't allow us to not transform. I'm not talking life to death. I'm talking just evolve as humans. You think there's some people who are static? I don't know if static, I don't think we're ever static, you know, Mario. I think yeah. um, <laughs> we may be stuck in various um, phases or stages. Phases <laughs> and stages and, and ultimately, some of us choose to just remain there, going around yeah. in circles. But even in that, there are periods where there's transformation taking place. Even in that. So and I guess it might be more fair to say some people might go through larger transformations based on how willing they are to seek it and others may not um i would say yeah i yeah. would say that i definitely say that i mean transformation is inevitable right it's inevitable yeah? mm-hmm. patrice i can talk about so many things in this realm oh this my gosh podcast all right so what i want you to do for me mm-hmm. um what are your final words on Mind, body, soul, and transformation. I'm going to make it all four. All four. Nice. What kind of things you'd want anyone listening to this who is not even connected to this world as yet? Mm. Um, what kind of stuff would you want to say to that person? Because you know, somebody might be listening to this who has never processed any of this at all. Mm. Mind, body, soul, mindfulness, transformation, a peaceful death. Mm-hmm. All of this might just be very foreign to them. What you would say to them? I'd say be aware. Yeah. Be aware. And what awareness means is there's so much into that, but to be aware of where you are right now in the space you're in, um, to live fully in each moment that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned counting birds. Yeah. And one of the most amazing things for me right now is 
I tend to, I wake up early in the morning, but sometimes in this, in my sleep, just before I open my eyes, I can hear birds and I know it's morning. Right. And before, I don't know if I was that fully aware that the birds were out there so early welcoming the new day. Right. And telling you what time it was. Telling you what time it was. Without you seeing a watch. Mm -hmm. Without you seeing a watch. So I'd say trust your inner self. Yeah. Um, We live in a time now with a lot of uncertainty. Um, People not really trusting what they're being told oftentimes about what's happening around us and everything. But there was a period when human beings were so in touch that they knew when a hurricane was coming without a weather report or Mm -hmm. rain was coming. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, The animals are aware. Mm -hmm. You see the ears perk up on on the dogs when something is happening and they go seek shelter before an earthquake comes. And And they use everything to make those decisions. They use use the wind, the sounds. They use everything because they they are aware of where they are right here, right now. And I think mindfulness goes back to that too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that we all need to practice. If we're going to be eating um, our dinner, let us taste the food that's coming into our mouths. Right, right. Right. Let us let us drink and sip our juice and, and actually taste it and feel it going down our throat. And just to be fully aware of the moment that you're in and, and live. Because that's when you're going to really realize you're alive when you can experience and fully feel everything around you. Well, Patrice, I'm glad we got to have this conversation. And and, um, just to tie it all up, Mm -hmm. over all the years that I've known you, you've always been naturally and innately kind of connected to life in this way, which is, which is, so it's funny that back, then when I met you, you weren't doing half of this stuff, if any of it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but now that, that you're here, it all makes perfect sense. And, that just reminds us to trust the process mm-hmm. and to follow our minds and our bodies and our souls and to true, allow them to flow and lead us to where we need to go. Because I think so we're true. exactly where we're supposed to be, right? And you're, I think you're definitely aligned with what you should be doing and it's, it's beautiful to watch. So congrats on that. <laughs> well, thank you. And so are you. And I've been watching you over the years too. Boy, <laughs> I've yeah, seen no, your I'm journey. a whole lot of podcasts too. And I'm just trying to flow flow and evolve mm-hmm. as as yeah, as everything tells me to. So I just try to listen, like you say, you know? Just listen and, see and, where it and leads me. don't be too hard on yourself, you know. For all of us it's a, a lesson about not being too hard on ourselves. We all make what we call mistakes, but they may not be. And don't, <laughs> be too afraid. And don't be too afraid to be led into something new don't be afraid be beautiful. I, that's <laughs> correct i actually made a post about that this morning you know the, yeah not being afraid to not letting fear stop you from going out there and doing what your spirit your soul your everything is guiding you to it's guiding you to yeah patrice tell our listeners where they can find you i mean some of your services are specific to certain mm-hmm. things but there are other mm-hmm. things that anybody can come and experience like reflexology or Reiki or mm-hmm. um, how can people find you on social media and if they want to have a consultation, book you, talk well, to you? Well, on social media, you can find me at Patrice Transforms JA on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have another company, Navigating Health Services, that's on Instagram too and on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, my website is patricetransformsja.com and it kind of yeah. gives a little listing of a lot of what I do. 
Right. But you can always just click on the link tree on my, my Instagram bio and it will give you way more into the million and one things that make me click. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. You're like a holistic multipotentialite. Oh my more. gosh, I don't <laughs> even know what I <laughs> where that is concerned, but woman is a trans- transformation therapist, right? Let's hold that's on. That's what I put because it, it, it really is that's what it is. That's really what it is, yeah. But we thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for sharing all the insight on this. It's a it's a wide and a vast world. So I know mm-hmm. if we haven't gotten deep enough for some people, mm-hmm. they're gonna have to go do some research and reading. But but I know and you know that it's very deep, yes, and very wide. So mm-hmm. it's hard to even touch the tip of it. <laughs> true, very true, very true. But thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. it was good. And, and thank you for having me. It was Absolutely. interesting being on, on, on this side of the fence with you. So that's cool. Same must go sometime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Patrice, thanks. All right, take care. You've just listened to episode number 46 of Talk Trot. And I interviewed my friend Patrice Dwyer, transformation therapist. Go and support her page at Patrice Transforms JA on Instagram. Her website is patricetransformsja.com and go to her link tree which is also backslash Patrice Transforms JA. Um, she also has another page called Navigating Health Services, as you heard, and you can go check that out as well. As usual, as always, Happy New Year once again, and thank you for listening to Talk Truth. And you know what to do? Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us at our new handle, TLKTRTH, as Talk Truth without the vowels and the website remains talktruthja.com for now, but everything else has changed to TLKTRTH. And guess what, people? Look out for some merch in If you think we're going to change it to the brand new logo, it looks so nice and modern. And when I want to have merch, it's coming. So if anybody wants a Talk Truth sweater, t shirt, beanie, cap, mug, just look out for it. It's coming. All right. Again, this is Talk Truth, a place where your truth shall be your power and set you free until next time bye